All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the League Express podcast. My name is Jake Kiernan, and joining me as always is the editor of League Express, Martin Sadler. And Martin, for the first weekend without rugby league, how did you deal? How did you cope? How did you get through it? Uh, well, difficult, uh, Jake, it really is. And um, I thought, you know, if we're going to carry on doing this podcast, we might be just sitting here looking, each, looking at each other not able to say anything, you know, and there's not, there'd be nothing to talk about. But fortunately, I thought, you know, I thought towards the end of last week, what could we do to um, create some talking points for this mm. podcast? So I thought, well, why not phone up the Samoa Rugby League and suggest that they withdraw from the tour of, of England? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> and that, right. And that would give us a talking point. Yep. So, um, you know, uh, in, in fact, they withdrew from the tour without me even needing to phone them up. So... <laughs> Well, it was uh, wild news, and we sort of heard some of the whispers um, throughout the Tonga England yeah. series. I think Christian Wolf alluded to it a few times that, hey, that might not be set in stone just yet. Just Absolutely, sort of yeah. hold the phone on that one a little bit. But um, so I wasn't totally surprised by the news, but it's certainly disappointing, isn't it? Oh, massively disappointing. Um, you know, and it would have been a great chance for England to get revenge against Samoa for that um, semi-final defeat in the World Cup last year. But it's not to be. There's no point crying over spilt milk. We've now got to decide, A, whether England want opponents uh, next October and November, and B, if they do, and obviously if it's up to Sean Wayne, I've got no doubt that they do want opponents. They want to play against somebody, and they want a, a stiff test, really, not a not, not, not an easy one. Um then who's it going to be? We, we've given our readers in this week's League Express Readers Poll a, a choice of um, of options. First of all, um, should we should we have a trip down under to take part in the Pacific Championship competition? I think that's going to be the favoured uh, outcome. Secondly, a three match series against France. I don't think many people would go for that because they wouldn't think France was strong enough. Or a three-match series against the Exiles, the overseas players selected from Super League. I don't think that would have the drawing power that, that they would like. Or a three-week home international series involving Ireland, Scotland and Wales. And again, I don't think you know that would have a massive drawing power either. And then the, the final option is none of the above, mm. which I think will probably also score fairly highly. Um, it's an awkward one, Jake, because... If we were going to go and play in the Pacific Championships next year, I, I've sort of suggested that, you know, if if we did, we, we'd probably be in the Pacific Cup group with Australia, New Zealand, and perhaps Papua New Guinea, because they won the bowl this year. Um, you know, we could we could have a tour that encompassed games in Port Moresby, perhaps Sydney or Brisbane, and um, perhaps Auckland in, in New Zealand. That'd be a great tour. Mm. You know, that'd be terrific for for England. But there is one major stumbling block, and that is that we play our grand final, or this year we played our grand final two weeks after the Australian grand final. Um, and on the same weekend that we played our grand final, the Pacific Cup was getting underway mm. in Australia. Um, so that would seem to rule us out of it, unless... We bring our grand final forward two weeks to give us the chance to jump on a plane and prepare prepare properly for the, you know, for for a tournament in 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 those three nations. And believe me, we would need to prepare properly. We, you know, it would be asking for trouble to go out without any adequate time to prepare to play Papua New Guinea even in in PNG. Never mind Australia and New Zealand. So. 
uh, it's a it's it's a dilemma facing the game, isn't it? Mm. But um, we'll see whether the people who run the sport um, in coordination with the clubs have the nows to sort it all out. Because I believe is it two weeks between the NRL Grand Final and the Super League? Yes, it was this year. So maybe the NRL could maybe extend theirs or or delay theirs by a week, and then Super League could bring theirs back by a week. Well, the NRL, of course, they've already set out their fixture list, haven't Mm -hmm. they? So you know, whatever whatever happens, the only people who can compromise is us, because you know their their fixture schedule is set in stone now. Mm, That's right. Now the so you suspect that the most popular result will be to go to. Australia. I, I um, would think so, yes. Yeah. I've not checked the voting yet, but I would think so. Yeah. What impact do you think that, that would have on, I guess, International Rugby League being held in England? Do you think that we're, we're at a risk of, of losing interest in the international game here if England go No, I think if England, went to, uh, if England went to play in the Pacific Cup, I think a lot of people would be very interested in, in following that. And, um, you know, the, obviously the games would be on TV over here, probably on Sky. Um, and I think they'd draw quite a big TV audience. So I don't think there's a problem there. Um, and if the alternative is playing a home series against, um, you know, that doesn't really draw the crowd and doesn't draw viewing figures, I think that would be a, a difficult alternative, really, Jake. So, uh, you know, you might almost say that it would be better having nothing at all than having a, a an international series that, that looks to be on a very small scale Mm. now if they don't go to australia and they do decide to stay here would you rather them see other nations in the north or would you rather them play an exiles team with some of the australian players and i think i would always prefer them to play other nations um you know whether that's france or whether it's um wales scotland ireland um even lebanon you know lebanon uh, lebanon's a strange one isn't it because they're a, a northern hemisphere country uh but most of their players are drawn from the nrl virtually all of their players are drawn from the nrl um so but but potentially they would be available but again i'm not absolutely sure that the lebanese team would be a massive draw over here but we could we could potentially go for something not entirely dissimilar to the pattern that they've got for the pacific cup and the pacific bowl because you could potentially have Three nations in a, a sort of Group A, the top group, which would be England, Lebanon, and France, perhaps, and then three or four nations in a a group below that, which would be um, perhaps Scotland, Ireland, and and Wales, perhaps Italy. Who knows? It would be possible, but but the trouble is, I'm just not sure that the financial um, strength is there to be able to put on that sort of. That, that sort of an event, but it would be great if we could do, wouldn't it? Mm, absolutely. And I've read some of the concerns, I think, if England do go to Australia next year, is that would make it, is it three consecutive tours to Australia over it three would. years? It would, yeah, it would. Well, to yeah, in, in, indeed it would, because we'd be going there in 2025 and then 2026 for the World Cup, mm. which we don't know whether that's in Australia or New Zealand yet or both. So... Yeah, it would be a challenge, but um, you know, I think most most Super League players, England Super League players, would be up for that challenge. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and um, you know, I think it'd give a lot of fans a chance to have a, a great holiday in the Southern Hemisphere as well. So, you know, I wouldn't say that's uh, that's too much of a stumbling block, to be honest. Mm, yeah, absolutely. and after all, it's a bit nice, as you know, you're. 
you're from Queensland, but living in Manchester at the moment, it's it's a bit nicer in Queensland in October <laughs> than it is in in the north of England, Jake. Yes, yes. So you know you ought to be the chief salesman <laughs> for yes. this for this idea. I've been uh, keeping up to date with all my friends back home on Facebook and Instagram, and seeing all their posts of them, you know, spending uh, their Saturdays and Sundays at the beach, having a picnic, absolutely. a few drinks, and um, meanwhile it's getting colder over here. Do so. you think you made the wrong decision coming over here? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, I've only been here for oh, five or five or six months now, so um, way too early to go back home. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. Thank goodness for that. No, absolutely. But you're almost getting your wish, Martin. I think it was last week or the week before you said you almost wished that um, England were going to play Australia next year. Mm. So you might have that chance still. Yeah, following. it'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. It'd be great. But it does need that. Um, it does need the Super League and the Super League clubs and, you know, the, the, the Rugby Football League to make that decision. Mm. Um, and I'm just not sure that they will. And if England do go, is there opportunity there to hold maybe a mini tournament that can involve France, uh, Scotland, Wales over here? Yeah, that'd be great. I think mm. I think that'd be great. You know, we need far more international competition. I mean, the tragedy of the World Cup being um, cancelled in France in 2025 is that all the qualifying games that were going to be held last year, um, include you know, that would have involved a lot of European nations was postponed, was, mm-hmm. was just, well, not postponed, cancelled. And that was a tragedy for for all those nations, really. And um, we need to get them back up and running and, and, and get, them, get them playing again. Mm, no, absolutely right. Now, moving on, uh, we have the World Club Challenge date officially locked in. Uh, we're going to set to host uh, the Penrith Panthers at DW Stadium on the 24th of February next year, which will be a Saturday. Um, how good... I guess, or how great's the news that it's going to be held over here next year, Martin? Well, I think it's great. And um, the one thing we know is that Wigan will draw a much bigger crowd than Penrith did when they played St. Helens um, earlier this year. Um, Penrith, obviously, all credit to them. They they were shocked to lose to St. Helens, really. Mm. Um, it, it, you know, it hit them quite hard. And they want to come over here and and claim what they see as their right to be called the best club team in the world. I think they'll have quite a, a challenge against Wigan. I think Wigan under Matty Pete will be well up for it. Um, I think Wigan will sell out the stadium as well. I think Wigan are, you know, are, are, are a great club who know how to sell big games and always always have done right from the very first World Club Challenge against Manly in 1987. Um, so I think that's that's a real game to put in your diary um mm. jake and uh you know get make sure you're there and i think it will be a titanic game and what a great way to start the season in this country and actually uh, in, in 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 australia as well i suppose i mean penrith some people are saying that penrith were a bit cheesed off not to be one of the four clubs invited to las vegas mm. for, for that op- opening ground to the nrl on march the second which may may be true i'm I'm not sure, but you know, you, you you might have thought they would have taken the the, the the top team there. But you know, I think it's great that they've that they won't be going there. They will be coming to Wigan, and who on who on earth would prefer to go to Las Vegas if they could come to Wigan? <laughs> yeah, Let's <absolutely>. face it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it surprised me a little bit, given that uh, when the schedule for Vegas was announced, it was quite clear that Penrith were going to go far in the finals, and and mm. they were really going to c- compete. And you know. 
before the finals even started, people were saying Penrith and Broncos for the, the grand final. So, yeah, I think they would be a little bit disappointed that they didn't get the nod for Vegas. Well, you think so. But, you know, that, that you know, Las Vegas' loss is Wigan's gain. Mm. And uh, that's great. I think it's marvellous to see them coming over here. Mm. You know, and it, obviously they've uh, they've pulled out of the pre-season challenge in Australia. So that's, you know, down to um, fewer clubs than, than it would otherwise be. And... Uh, and it, it's, I, you know, I just can't wait to, to, to see the World Club Challenge being played at Wigan again. And I think it's going to be an absolutely fabulous um, game and a fabulous experience. And that will coincide with round one of the Super League season, I believe. I think it'll be round two, two. won't it? I'm not okay. sure because we've not had the um, the fixtures published yet. But yeah. uh, I think round two. But, uh, you know, maybe that won't be the case. I'm not quite so sure. Mm. No, absolutely. And speaking of features, the uh, NRL draw has been announced. I haven't had a chance to have a, a great look at it in detail. Obviously, we know it's kicking off in Vegas. Um, we talked about some of the rankings around who has the toughest schedule for next year. I think you mentioned Cronulla Sharks. Looks like they've got the easiest schedule. Well, that's, that's on... what that's what they um, that's what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. You know. Uh, Frankly, I don't think anybody has an easy schedule in the NRL. No. <laughs> I think it's That's foolish right. to talk that way, really. And you can't really compare it to the uh, the latter from the season before because you look at how many teams finished at the bottom in uh, 2022 and then have rose to the top Absolutely. the past season. So. Well, Brisbane, Brisbane Broncos were, moved from ninth to, to third. Mm. Uh, Newcastle Knights moved from 14th to 5th, I think it was, or 6th. Mm. And um, the Warriors, New Zealand Warriors... They moved up from fifteenth to fourth, mm. so that you know it, it's marvelous, isn't it? And uh, you know there there is that movement in the NRL that's um, that that keeps the competition vibrant, in my view. Mm. No, absolutely right. All we need now is somebody to knock Penrith off their perch, I suppose, because th- you know three years in a row is a hell of an impressive achievement. But you know we now need somebody else to win it. Mm. And I think they're at the moment odds on favourite to uh, go four in a row. So, oh yes. Um, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, it would be an incredible feat if they could do it. And you'd have to say if they did get that four in a row, they would have to be considered one of the greatest teams of all time. Oh, well, I think they already are. You know, there's no doubt about it. Um, One thing I love about the NRL uh, Premiership, though, is they do have these um, themed rounds, which I really like. Mm. Uh, You know, I mean, if you look this coming season, round three is the multicultural round. Round eight is the Anzac round, where they celebrate the Anzacs, Mm. you know, in the First World War. Uh, Magic round is round 11. We, of course, have a magic round too. Then they have the indigenous round in round 12. Mm -hmm. Then they have the beanie for brain cancer round in round 15. And the women in league round for round 22. Mm. You know, I think that I, I really like themed themed rounds and um you know i think they got that from um american sport i know when i first went to america in the in the early 1980s you know going to baseball games there they had a lot of themed rounds along similar lines really and um i think it, it's they, they're great because they do they do give give the game a chance to draw in people who might not normally go to a, a rugby league game and i think that's something that we need to probably learn from as well no absolutely right and all of these rounds are you know celebrating people that are, are quite involved in our game and you know mean so much to the game so it's great to see them being absolutely recognized. Yeah. Uh, one thing uh, also we'll mention with the scheduling i think the um the outlay of state of origin has also been released so i think uh game one's going to be held in sydney game two in melbourne and game three in brisbane which 
makes me incredibly excited as a Queensland fan because we almost get a home crowd in Melbourne. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, the home game in uh, Queensland. So Absolutely, yeah. If it is a tight one and it comes down to a decider, Queensland have that little advantage. So yes, yes. So it'll be quite exciting. Well, I'm a bit of a Queensland fan as well, I've got to say, but uh, then I think a lot of people are. Um, and, and one thing on State of Origin, Jake, um, the women's state of origin this coming year will be a three-game series as well, mm. as you've probably also seen. And the opening game of that series will be on the Thursday night um, of the Magic Weekend in Brisbane. Yeah, well. So it'll be, um, you know, it'll be on the Thursday night with all the Magic NRL games due to follow on the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Mm. So that's going to make it a hell of a weekend in. Um, in 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 Brisbane that that weekend and people are already predicting that the um that the women's state of origin game the opening state of origin game could actually draw 40,000 crowd mm. for in 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 um at Suncorp stadium that night and the other games i think they're going to be played at um, Newcastle and then at Townsville mm. for the women's state of origin and you know it it's worth mentioning that the second state of origin last year held at um at Townsville drew 18,000 people yeah. which was a comparable crowd to a North Queensland Cowboys crowd mm. so that's that shows the progress that's been made with Women's Rugby League in Australia. No, absolutely. And they've done a great thing by putting it on that Thursday because I know in the past with the Magic Round, uh, some I think it might have been the first or the second one they did, uh, they scheduled a game on the Thursday night. And most people were sort of travelling down on the Friday, but I think having the Women's State of Origin on the Thursday night will attract a lot more fans oh, yes. uh, to Brisbane to kick off the Magic Weekend. And what yeah. a way to kick it off. I think that'll be outstanding. It'd be great to be there, wouldn't it, that weekend? Yeah, absolutely. One other thing I wanted to uh, mention, I think I read somewhere the um, Mouldy All-Stars versus the Indigenous, Indigenous All-Stars um, may coincide with the dates around the World Club Challenge, so we may well, see... Well, I think it's the week before, isn't it? Yes. I think that's on February the 16th, mm. that that game. Um, I'm not quite sure where it's going to be played, actually, but uh, I, don't, I, I assume that's been released. Mm. But, but that will be eight days before the World Club Challenge game. But what it might mean is that no Penrith players play in it, mm. presumably, because I can't imagine that Penrith would want their players... I mean, I, I would imagine that eight days before the World Club Challenge, the Penrith team will probably be on its way, mm. you know, so they won't really have any... Um, they, were, they won't really want any players playing in that game. No, absolutely, <coughs> especially with jet lag and that sort of thing. They'll yeah. have a few, or at least a week over here before they kick off. Absolutely. Um, but now, moving on, I read an article in this week's uh, edition of the League Express newspaper. You can get your subscription on www.totalrl.com forward slash shop or most real estate, uh, or not real estate, I should say news agencies uh, across the north here in England. Um, the outgoing Wigan owner in Lenigan believes that the IMG gradings, or I guess the IMG system, um, or Super League will eventually thrive under the IMG system. He said a few interesting things. Um, he said, you, you know, it's a, he said it's not a two-year plan, it's a 12-year plan. They're shaping up for the future. Um, do you, have you, have you had a chance to read this one, Martin? And, uh, oh, yes. Uh, yeah, and, um, yeah. Yeah, what did you make of, of some of his comments? Well, I hope his, I hope he's right. Mm. Um, you know, I really genuinely hope that Ian's right because we want the game to thrive and we've got this 12-year deal with IMG and we want the game to thrive with them, um, you know, guiding it forward alongside the the RFL and Super League. Um, but, you know, 
we've still got this problem, haven't we, of, um, you know, the, the, the gradings appearing to um, carry greater weighting than actual positions in the league table. Mm. And I think in any professional sport, that's problematic. Mm. You know, it, let's imagine IMG had come to do a similar thing with football, you know, in this country and had um, set up a grading system with, you know, let's say somebody like um, Manchester City, you know, with the highest grade and going right down into the lower leagues. And they decided that the top 20 gradings uh, would would play in the premiership uh, football. You certainly wouldn't have Luton Town there, who got promoted last year. You probably wouldn't have Sheffield United there, Burnley. Uh, Bournemouth probably wouldn't be there either, I wouldn't have thought. Um, and I think that would be outrageous, you know, if they, if they did that. Football fans wouldn't stand for it for a second. They'd be riots. They? They'd be riots, of course <laughs> they would be. Football fans just wouldn't tolerate it. Yep. Um, you know, you, 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 in fact, you'd be an absolute fool to even propose it mm. uh, for football. Um and you know we've we've had a lot of letters um, into um, you know our um, newspaper f- from fans who really hate this um, th- this 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 system, um, and we also we had a you know readers poll in League Express a couple of weeks ago, mm. saying what you know what do people think of the grading system, and I think sixty odd percent of people said that basically it's a load of rubbish. So. We need to know more about what IMG are proposing because IMG, as far as I was concerned, were brought in to improve the marketing of Rugby League. They've done quite a lot with the clubs on on, on their digital um, performance, mm. but we don't, we don't seem to get much evidence. You know, IMG are, are not keen on talking to the media, it seems, which is very odd because they're, a, in, in, a, in, in a sense, a media company themselves, but they don't seem all that keen to respond to the to media questions and so on mm. and that really isn't how it's supposed to work as far as i'm concerned so if i'm honest jake i've been disappointed with img so far um i don't see that they've done a great deal i mean the the grading system has been useful in that it's made clubs think quite seriously about some of the things that they don't do well mm. and i think that's always important you know it's always important um, but I think the gradings would have been better suited to being a determinant of how much central distribution clubs get in financial terms rather than determining which league they're playing, um, you know, within within the league system. So, mm. you know, that, that would be my view. But um, the RFL hasn't gone with that. And we're still waiting to hear from the, you know, I, I wrote an open letter a couple of weeks ago to the RFL chief executive, Tony Sutton, pointing out, you know, that this business with London Broncos being a certainty to be relegated at the end of this coming year um, is really unsatisfactory. And he, he sort of sent me a very polite reply saying, thanks for your email, I'll consider it, but, you know, nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, we need to, you know, I, I believe there are still some discussions going on behind the scenes because I'm certainly not the only people who thinks that way. Yep. Quite a few influential people in the game think the same thing as me. So we'll see whether there's a, a change announced in the near future. Mm. And you touched on it there, the London Broncos. I've been keeping an eye on uh, their social media updates over the past few weeks. Um, they signed Reese Kennedy on a 
deal um, for next year. I think it might have been a two or three yeah, year I think deal. Yeah, it's a good signing for them. It's a great signing, but apart from Reese Kennedy, they haven't really made a huge splash yet, have no, they? No, no. And uh, one of the things we talked about a couple of weeks ago was um, are they best with knowing that you know they may not have a future in Super League past next season to you know save the money and pocket the the cash they get from uh, the Super League, um, or are they best to invest that money in, in attracting talent to the club? Um, at the moment, it seems like they they've only well, made a small splash. Well, put it this way: the the marquee player rules in Super League means that any club could potentially offer a player any amount of money in the world to come and play for them and only the first £150,000 or so would be counted as part of the salary cap Mm. so London Broncos could quite easily approach Penrith and make an offer for Nathan Cleary um, and pay Nathan Cleary a million pounds a year or more um, to come to London Broncos in Super League next year but what would be the point of doing it? Mm. Because, you know, if even with Nathan Cleary, let's imagine they've got Reese Walsh as well. They've got three, potentially three uh, marquee player places. So let's imagine they've got Nathan Cleary, Reese Walsh, and maybe Ch- Daily Cherry Evans or someone mm. to come and, and play for them. But they'd still probably go down, yeah. no matter, even if they won the grand final. Mm. So what's the point in doing that? And that's, that's the whole point at stake is it that's the yeah. issue really that that they're they're given no incentive to make those sorts of signings even if they wanted to do so and they had the capacity to do so mm. can you so imagine if they if they did make those signings how much marketing the league would be able to do around absolutely those yes. few players yeah, and then absolutely year, see you later <laughs> dead right absolutely oh yeah that would be crazy it's bizarre. craziness really mm. now i also saw a, a post on social media the other day blake austin's officially uh leaving the country he hasn't secured uh, any deals over here and i think he mentioned that it was quite sad for him because he was just a few weeks or a few months shy of being able to apply for citizenship over here. Oh, gosh, right. um, Yeah, very sad to see him leaving, and I'm quite surprised he wasn't able to get a deal anywhere. I'm amazed, actually. Um, I'm amazed. I think he's still got a lot to offer. Uh, I don't know why he's not been able to get a deal, and he might still get one, you know. Mm. I mean, we you know, we talk about London Broncos. That that might have been a signing for them if um, if they thought they, you know, could benefit from having him on board, and I'm sure they could do. Mm. So it is really disappointing to see him go. I remember him coming, you know, a few years ago to play for Warrington, and there was a massive fanfare. Mm. about him coming from Canberra Raiders and uh, a lot of people saying you know he's he'll, he'll probably you know he's a, he's a contender for man of steel and all that sort of thing which he never he never quite lived up to that hype but you know still a very good player mm. and it it, it it's a shame that he had such a sad season with Leeds this year mm. yeah yeah definitely and then obviously he went to Castleford and mm. um yeah saved them from relegation but yeah so it's Almost a sad way for him to go out. Um, I think but, so. Yeah, I'm but you, you, you might think that he would get a, you know, a, a club in Australia, wouldn't you? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And like, um, if say for instance, Josh Reynolds last year got a training trial deal with the Bulldogs, and I mm. think if, if Josh Reynolds could have gotten one at that point in his career, surely uh, Blake Austin could attract some interest as well. So we'll I'm see what happens sure. yeah. with him moving forward. Um, fingers crossed, he can um, get something sorted down south. Uh, but in other news, um, this is a bit of a weird one. The uh, former 
Canterbury Bulldogs captain Raymond Fatella Mariner uh, has been barred from pre-season training with the Bulldogs. Now, I believe this all stemmed from uh, last season. Um, there was a few complaints within the playing group that uh, the new coach, Cameron Seraldo was training the boys too hard and his demands were very extreme and expected his players to stay at training all day long till 5pm and I think as the the captain uh, Raymond sort of brought it to his attention uh, which sort of uh, saw him uh, miss the rest of the season they decided to sit him out so um, potentially a player that could be on the radar for Super League clubs. Oh I think so yeah I think so I think he'd be a really useful signing uh, I hate to say it again, but London Broncos would be an obvious, an obvious one. But yeah, um, yeah Cameron Seraldo went to the Bulldogs from Penrith, where he'd been an assistant coach, and everybody thought he was gonna he, he was gonna be the next master coach. Uh, what happened was that the Bulldogs finished in fifteenth place out of seventeen, mm. and you know things didn't work out well for them. Now, obviously, I'm not familiar with the Bulldogs and, and what happens there. Uh, but that was a disappointing um, outcome by any standards. And Seraldo now has to prove himself this year, or this coming season. And if he doesn't, then it, um, you know, those claims about his ability look to be quite exaggerated, don't mm. they, really? And, you know, w- when you start falling out with your captain, um, particularly when a captain comes forward and you know, probably has a legitimate concern about the way that you're coaching the team. I think that's a pretty bad sign. Mm. And, um, you know, I think that that will, you know, come back to bite them, mm. really. And the, the, it's interesting to, to, to contrast Seraldo with Andrew Webster, who was also an assistant at Penrith, who went to New Zealand Warriors and improved them from 15th to 4th mm. um, this last season. So, you know... Webster has shown himself to be a very smart guy mm. and it's been great to see the Warriors, you know, and, and, and the incredible support that they've generated in New Zealand. You know, this Up, up the Wars um, mm. slogan was, was, was a great one and, uh, you know, the whole country got behind them and that's, mm. that's an incredible achievement in my view. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't really know how to feel about the whole Raymond situation because, you know, as, as a skipper of well, a we squad... Well, don't, we don't know the details, do yeah, we? Yeah, that's so, right. So you've always got to be a bit, you, a bit careful. You, mm. you, you, you've always got to say, well, we're, we're not in command of the whole picture. Mm. And we're not. So mm. it's, it's hard to be definitive about it. No, that's right. And, um, yeah, look, you know... Either way, you can you can if if that is the truth, you can sit on either side of the fence you want. Um, you can understand why Serato would want to bring in that new tough culture and um, you know oh yes that sort of Melbourne Storm culture. I yeah, guess yeah. you could almost say yeah. Um, so yeah, very interesting. It'd be um, yeah, cool to see him come over here and play in the Super League. I think he's still got a lot of football left in him. So yeah, we'll see. Um, now, so we've also had some signing news. Uh, Sam Powell will join Warrington uh, from next year. Um, I think, I think Sam Burgess said for a bit of depth. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because they've got Danny Walker uh, at Hooker, who played for England in the Test Series. They've also re-signed Brad Dwyer mm. from Hull FC, um, who's, who's I think, a very effective hooker as well. And now they've got Sam Powell, so they've got three players in that position, which is, you know, um, you know, you might say two's, two's company, three's a crowd, I suppose. Mm. And... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who gets the nod for the opening game of the season, that's for sure, mm. um, at, at Hooker at, at Warrington. Mm. 
But, you know, obviously Sam is calling the shots now mm. <coughs> at Warrington and um, I hope he's, you know, doing doing making the right calls. Mm. And uh, sometimes competition can be quite healthy oh, in the pre-season and training. Yes, you know, there's no doubt about that. Push each other. <coughs> and Sam Powell has really been edged out at Wigan by Brad O'Neill, the young hooker at Wigan who who's come on in leaps and bounds this year and mm. effectively took his place. I, mean, I think Sam had an injury earlier in the season which gave... Brad O'Neill's opportunity, and that so often happens, doesn't it, mm. in a game? A player gets an injury, and another young player steps up and turns out to be a real fine player and keeps the sport. You yeah. know, and that's, that's so often how a young player breaks through into a team. Mm. You know, you've, you've got to wait for somebody to be injured, and then you grab your chance with both hands. Well, they say durability is the best ability, so, uh, so you know, you stay is. healthy. That's mm. for sure. Just look at uh, you know, James Roby and how, how durable he was over his career. So, mm. um, yeah, perfect. Now, last week we, we didn't really touch on it, but um, the Jack White and Josh Addo car situation that sort of got resolved in Australia, uh, was it last week or the week before? Uh, obviously, they were arrested. Latrell Mitchell, you mean, not, not Josh Addo car. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Latrell Mitchell. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah, they were arrested. Oh, might have been months beforehand for a little bit of a scuffle. Um, I think it might have been at, at Jack Whiten's birthday party. They were having yeah. a bit of a celebration. They obviously yeah. had um, you know a few drinks beforehand. They, they said that they were just wrestling, I believe. And um, it's come out in court that uh, the I think it might have been the detective or the senior sergeant um, falsified some of his evidence. Incredible, really. And uh, the boys both got let <coughs> off. Which um, well, both both were found not guilty. Mm. Yeah, and quite rightly so. But it, by the sound of it, yeah, I mean it. It's amazing that a policeman would do that, isn't mm. it? Really, particularly when it's such a high-profile case. And of course, there's a significant um, uh, element within the Australian media that really hates the NRL and NRL players, and will take every chance to denigrate them. You know, this idea that. NRL players behave badly away from the game, which isn't true for 99.9% of them, but mm. a small proportion it might be true for. Um, and they were only too gleeful when, when these two w- were arrested. Mm. Uh, but it now turns out that it was complete fabrication. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I think they are thinking now about suing the police, aren't they? And yeah. they should do, in they my should. view, because, they, you know, their reputation has been tarnished and... Mm. Uh, undeservedly so and I think somebody should pay a price for that no absolutely and especially with how long court proceedings take like it's months between mm. the incident and uh, the final uh, decision so um, you know that, that that's months there where their names have been dragged through the media absolutely and um, we had a similar instance with uh, Curtis Scott in Canberra as well um, I mean a year or two ago where he I think he, I believe he was stood down by the NRL as well for um, an altercation he had and I think police said he was resisting arrest, but they re- released the body-worn uh, uh, camera vision and he got let off. And then I think he sued the police and got a healthy payout as well because mm. he wasn't getting paid for all of those weeks when he was no, no. stood down. So, no. um, yeah, great to see. And I hope they do pursue some sort of legal action against the police. Um, mm. But, yeah, now in other news, uh, the Cowboys have signed James Maloney on as an assistant coach. Which is uh, really, really no, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, that's interesting. So I think because uh, Dean Young, I think he's moving to another position now. So yeah, James Maloney's moving up to Townsville, which that's uh, fascinating. Well, he's he's moved around a lot as James Maloney, hasn't mm. he? He um, had a, a, a great time with the Dragons in France, and then played in the 
elite league in, you know, for, I think it was Lesignon, wasn't mm-hmm. it? So I think James enjoyed his time in France, but, uh, and might even be able to say a few words in Fran- French, of course, <laughs> which may or may not come in useful in Townsville. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, no, it's good to see him. He's a, he's a, he's a really great guy, James Maloney, and, yeah. uh, I'm sure he's got a lot to offer on the coaching front, so we'll see how that goes. Mm, especially with uh, young Tom Dearden, I'm sure yeah, you can oh, mentor him. Had a great season, didn't he? Mm, no, yeah. absolutely right. Uh, now, at Leeds Rhinos, they're bringing in a rugby, a former rugby player, Lewis uh, Boyce, on a training trial. Have you heard much about this, Martin? Yeah, I don't know much about him. I think he didn't he play for England on one occasion a few Did years you? ago. He was at the uh, Harley Quinns. Yeah, you know the, the there path. are the, 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 there are these occasional um, rugby union guys who really fancy having a go at league, and it's great to see that they do want to do it. Mm. Um, I think he was a prop forward though in rugby union, which would make it. I mean, I, I I've not seen him, but he, I, I assume he's obviously quite a a big guy. If he were if if, if he'd been a rugby union prop forward, that would be difficult for him to have the um, aerobic capacity to play our sport. I think, mm. but you know, good luck to him. I hope it goes well, and uh, it would be great to see him. Um, you know, turning out for Leeds perhaps at some stage. Mm, absolutely. And uh, yeah, well, with pre-season sort of well underway, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to get yeah. his fitness up. But that brings us on to another related point, Jake, doesn't it? Again, going back to Australia, we've got the um, NRL thinking very seriously about giving salary cap exemptions to clubs that sign rugby union players, you know, well-known wallabies and so on and mm. so forth. Um, and they are contemplating it and and we'll make a decision on that perhaps later this month I think Mm. I'm a bit dubious about this personally because you know I don't think there are many um, I I think the transition from one code to another is harder than what people think but the Roosters are already apparently talking to one of the Wallaby World Cup wingers aren't Mm. they yeah he's uh his name's really hard to say, and I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm not yes. going to attempt it. But I was leaving it to you, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, but yeah, the young fella, he, he, I think he played in the World Cup this year. He showed a lot of promise. Yeah, um, and he has played league young. before at junior level, yeah. like so many of the Wallabies have played. Yeah. You know, they, they all. What tends to happen in Australia is that, you know, very promising young players play rugby league up to about 14 or 15 mm. but then get a scholarship to a gps school yep. in sydney and they make them play a rugby union and of course they then shine at that sport and um end up playing for the waratahs or or whoever mm. um and and then for the wallabies so you know so really the whole thing is not so much rugby league poaching rugby union players it's rugby league getting rugby league players back again mm. who who played rugby league at an earlier age no that's exactly right and uh yeah it's a slippery slope because the the one team that comes under a lot of speculation for um going over the salary cap is the sydney roosters and that's who he's meeting with so yeah but they will already i mean he's a winger and a very good winger no doubt about it Mm. but they've already got um dominic young going there from Mm. newcastle um hopefully who's recovered from that uh illness he suffered you know a few weeks ago and they've got Lewis Murphy going there from Wakefield Trinity. Yep. So, you know, they've got quite a few um, stocks in the wing department. Yep. Um, of course, they've already got Daniel Tupu. And I remember a few years ago when Ryan Hall went to the Roosters and he couldn't really break into the team mm. because of the quality of the players that they had there. 
So, you know, do they need a guy from the Wallabies? I'm not quite so yeah. sure. And they've always had great outside backs, the Roosters, and, mm. yeah, they're, they're very fortunate. And uh, I, f- I hope that they don't get them because I think Dom Young is such a great signing. So do um, I, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. It's a shame for Newcastle to lose him, really. Mm, absolutely. But I think also if the NRL was to start poaching you know, Australian rugby players, that'd be more of a nail in the coffin for the sport in Australia. Well, maybe. <laughs> yes, maybe. But I, I, I don't think that should be the motivation. I think, you know... If it helps rugby league, then I'm all for it. But if it doesn't, I'm, you know, if it's simply targeted at um, damaging another code, I wouldn't support that because I don't think that's a, a good way to use fin- your financial resources. Mm, no, absolutely right. Um, any more rugby league related news you'd like to get into before? Well, we wrap there's up one last guy week? who I've paid a a tribute to in um, in my column in League Express this week, and that's Paul Sykes, mm-hmm. who is um, 42 years old. And he's just signed a new one-year contract with Dewsbury to play in the championship next year. And um, he is the only player still playing professional rugby league at any level, as far as I can tell, who made his debut in the 1990s. He made his debut in 1999 for Bradford Bulls um, on July the 2nd that year uh, against Wakefield Trinity coming off the bench in a 36-8 away victory. So, you know, that's 24 years ago. Mm. Uh, you know, gosh, more than half his life. I was one year one years old when that happened. Yes, yes. <laughs> he's, he's, he's still playing and, you know, it's... Um, I mean, he has, you know, at, at, at the height of his fame, he was a really top player, was Paul. Obviously, um, at, at his age now, he's got to... He's got to pace himself i guess mm. but it's amazing to think he you know he'll turn 43 next year you know gosh to to still be playing at that age is quite remarkable i mm. think i wonder how his body's feeling it must be holding up pretty well to still well, be you playing. imagine so <laughs> yeah you imagine so and i'd just like to wish paul good luck in uh you know for a great season next year with Jewsby having been promoted to the to the championship mm. no absolutely and do we know how many games total he's played over the span of his career uh It'd well be... i'd have to count them but mm. it's it's a fair few isn't it probably more than any other player Currently playing rugby league, I would yeah. be pretty sure. And I, I think, you know, he ought to be given a special award by, by the RFL, in mm. my view, for, for his achievement, to be honest. No, he obviously loves the game, to still mm. be playing and uh, ripe into the uh, age of 40. That's awesome. Uh, have you been keeping up with the Cricket World Cup at all? Not really, no. No, I, with England's performances there, I thought it was best to duck out <laughs> of that one, Jake. They've We're uh, on our way home, aren't we? Yeah, they've had a few wins now, though, which mm. is great to see. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed... Maxwell's uh, double century the other day uh, yes. to to sort of save Australia. You're a cricket guy, obviously. Have you played the game a lot? <sighs> not, not, I haven't played too much. It was always hard playing, um, you know, football through the winter and then asking my parents to play weekend sport in the yeah. summer was a big ask, uh, yeah. considering how much time we devoted to playing rugby league. So um, I played one season there. It wasn't much good. Mm. Um, probably more of a bowler than a batter, but yeah, uh, yeah we all, always like to get in the nets with a few of the boys and hit a few balls yeah. you're a slogger yeah 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 it's all attack for me i'm not i'm mm. not out there to play defensively so no. um but yeah all right mate we might wrap it up here um don't forget if you would like to subscribe an online subscription to the uh weekly newspaper here the league express you can get that at www.totalrl.com forward slash no dot com forward slash shop um, Actually, I just tell you another an, another little thing just before we go. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got one item here that you you might find quite interesting. There's um, we, we've got 
the Rugby League Heroes series of um, interviews that Richard De La Riviere does with um, retired players. And this week, he is doing um, an interview with Jason Critchley, who played in the 19, late 80s and 1990s. And the interesting thing about Jason, he played for England and also played for Wales, because he's got Welsh heritage. But um, a year ago, Jason had never learned to swim. Right. Apparently, couldn't swim at all. Yeah. Uh, and yet, earlier this month, he actually swam the English Channel. Wow! Having learned to swim, and he was part of a um, part of a, a team of people. There was a, the, the, <laughs> as he says, they they say you can't teach old dogs new tricks, but I'm proof that you can. And it was apparently a, and I'd not heard of this actually before before this weekend, which is probably something that's lacking on my part but the 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 swim over the channel involved six ex-rugby union players against six ex-league players and it was a charity called head for change which seeks to make both codes of rugby safer and educate young players and their families you know about the danger of head injuries Mm -hmm. and so on and so there were six league former league players and six uh, former rugby union players and the league play former league players were Dennis Betts, who is uh, the ex-Great Britain International who will coach Wigan women this coming year, by the Mm way, Mick Cassidy, Cliff Eccles, Mickey Edwards, and Kevin Brown. And as Jason says here, it's the best thing I've done in all my life. Um, The people I did it with are incredibly special human beings, Um, which is, you know, good for him. I mean, Mm. it's great to see things like that and... uh, you know, I, I just wish I'd known more about it before it took place. I don't know who was in charge of the PR for it, but they didn't. Mm. Uh, they didn't let us know. Yeah, well, that's a shame. But yeah, obviously, great to see uh, him learning things. Uh, yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. Progress. You're never too old to learn a, a new well, skill. Well, absolutely, I guess. yes. Yeah, what a way to. I know. think I probably am too old to swim the channel. Though, let me say that. <laughs> <laughs> too cold for me, mate. Too cold indeed. <laughs> yeah. uh, put me in a big bloody um, what do they call them? The big wetsuits. Yeah, know, yeah. Nice thick one of those, uh, maybe. But I'd get too tired. It's hard work swimming long distance absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> all right martin we might wrap it up here um thanks for listening guys and uh yeah hopefully uh we get some big news breaking over the next seven days or so we'll so there's something happens. to talk about who do yeah. you think we should phone up this week to uh provoke some big news coming out maybe phone up um andrew abdo in australia to tell him to invite england to the pacific cup how about yeah. that no that'd be great yeah. um because yeah, it'd be a real shame if England couldn't play any games next year. And it would. It'd be awesome to see him down under. It would yeah. indeed. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll wrap it here. Wrap it up here. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll um, check back in next week. Great. Thanks a lot, Jake, and pleasure to be with you again.